times I fail, I can't even count it. But guess what? I keep going no matter what. Because a true failure is when you quit. You got to understand. Dojo Radio, health, homesteading, and human potential. Dojo Radio is your training ground for the truth. Discussions and interviews curated to help lead you to create the life you are born to live. Using story as medicine to uncover allergies and addictions that block our life's potentials. This podcast is for leaders and initiates in the pursuit of sovereign, creative, and an abundant lifestyle. Dojo Radio is supported by Jar Joy Goods, Jar Totes, and Wooden Accessories. Jar Joy Goods was created simply for the daily jar user to be able to take their healthy foods, snacks, smoothies, and drinks on the go in a custom jar tote, a tote made just for jars. So you could carry your healthy creations with you throughout your day and keep them healthy because the products are made of organic waxed cotton, hemp, or solid wood. So go to jarjoygoods.com to see the goods. Alec Zek has been on the forefront of COVID and vaccine research since the beginning of the pandemic. As a systems engineer's major at West Point and captain in the Army, Alec brings a certain knowledge concerning government as well as medical research and development. In his shows, The Way Forward and Health Freedom for Humanity podcast, he shares his findings in a way that does not blame, shame, or polarize people regarding freedom of choice in matters of personal health. This is not your typical COVID show that we have all grown tired of, but rather an informed discussion on how uh, we can all move forward as a thriving society and create community. Um, welcome to the show, Alec. Dude, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Nice. We met at the Sewing Sovereignty event down in Fillmore, California, that you were a part of uh, putting together. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about how that came about? Yeah. So our organization, Health Freedom for Humanity, I'm the director of it. And our, our mission is to educate, empower, unite people from all walks of life under one common purpose, the reclamation and defense of health freedom. And health freedom, we define in two ways, and we hold both to be equally important. One is the obvious one, the right to choose what is best for your own health without coercion or force. And then the second one is the right to know and access what produces and maintains mind, body, spirit, wellness. That's our second definition of health freedom. And it's uh, to reflect our orientation towards solutions. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of health freedom organizations that are united around petitioning the government, asking the government for permission, pleading with the government, um, you know, doing things like contacting your congressman. Those, I'm not going to say those things don't have their place because they do uh -huh. have their place. However, I think there's too much emphasis on that. So what we're trying to do is, again, going back to our mission statement, educate, empower, and unite. And what I mean by unite is, we have 19 state chapters, chapters in three countries, and we're growing as fast as we can. We have people reaching out all the time wanting to start chapters in their states, but we're a small operation behind the scenes. Um, so one of our chapters that has been incredible, and thank goodness because it's in a state that needs it, is our California chapter. Oh, in yeah. our California chapter, this was their, I want to say, third official event, but the first one that health freedom for humanity headquarters if you will helped coordinate and organize and it was just an incredible opportunity to bring people together from california and the surrounding states uh to a regenerative farm where we had speakers that spoke um not exclusively on solutions but most of the talks were catered towards either solutions directly or breaking down false paradigms that lead you to more empowerment. So yeah. that that's the idea behind that event. And again, that was put on by our California chapter. Got to give a shout out to Joe Ruotolo, our California chapter lead, incredible human being, um, volunteering his time for this organization. And yeah, so that that's how that event came about. And I know that I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I'm biased. So I'd actually love to hear from you on that. How, what did you think? Yeah, it was a it was a really um, kind of a coming home experience for me um, because I 
am from Southern California. I currently live in Oregon and, and drove all the way down to be a part of it. And it was actually about 20 minutes from where I grew up. So it was a very special wow. place for me. Um, I just love that, that whole area. And um, so I was able to come home and see my parents. Um, but I left Southern California uh, three years ago to come and work on a regenerative farm. And I left Southern California because of the mandates, not because of the COVID mandates, but because of the, the previous ones, the previous ones, because my daughter was entering public school and we were starting to make that decision whether or not we wanted how we wanted to go about her education. And so there was no way like I grew up, you know, fortunately that my dad is a chiropractor and had an open mind about health and I never got vaccines growing up. So I was very educated from the start in that regards. And so I saw the writing on the wall and just bolted up to when I had the opportunity to manage a farm up here in Oregon uh, that does it in an organic regenerative style. It just Incredible. made sense. So your event was really, you know, is at the forefront of all these things I'm so passionate about about homesteading, regenerative farming, um, health freedom for humanity, uh, just all these things that just kind of, you know, connected the dots for me. And so it was such a great event to connect with everyone and just be around like-minded people and uh, around this new emerging community. And I see you as one of these, um, you just kind of popped up um, and understanding your story, I'd like to understand a little bit more about your story and how you got involved with this. And um, yeah, where did you come from? I love this question because it's such a, this could be a eight part series because my life is just so strange. Um, <laughs> just how everything <laughs> came together, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to share um, as briefly as I can for, for time purposes. But so I grew up in a pretty, um, chaotic slash abusive slash neglectful household. And my dad was just repeating patterns of generational abuse and trauma that his dad had inflicted upon him and his dad's dad inflicted upon his dad all the way up the line in our family's lineage. And my mom was very codependent and very neglectful because she was more focused and more consumed with my dad and her's relationship than she was with her children. Right. I have two mm -hmm. younger siblings. I have one older adopted brother. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result of some of the trauma that my family experienced um, for, for myself, that looked like just stuffing down my emotions, being more concerned with my mom's emotions, actually making sure she was okay and um feeling am i allowed to cuss on here yeah yeah good to hear thing feeling like a piece of shit about myself feeling unworthy um because growing up for me uh this is a big piece of it basketball was everything and when i say everything it was like a my, my dad was my basketball coach and he was formerly a college basketball coach so for for like my travel aau basketball team during the summer he was my coach and then obviously during middle school or high school basketball, I played for, you know, our, our school, but he was my coach in every aspect. And he was very, um, authoritarian in that. And mm. if I didn't play well, I was made to feel like I was a worthless piece of shit. So it was like my life revolved around basketball, but it felt like life or death as well. Yeah, And I'm, I'm saying this for contextual purposes because it was a pretty abusive environment and I was sort of stuffed down my self-worth and outsourced it or I didn't have an established self-worth. So I outsourced and externalized to feel worthy. So that was be getting all the girls, having all the cool friends, trying to look a certain way, trying to act a certain way, just wanted to be really cool to be accepted by people because I didn't feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And as a result of the just chaos amongst my family, my dad went to rehab for six months when I was in eighth grade. And um, during that time frame, I was the surrogate husband, so to speak, for my mom. Like I was the one taking care of her as a 14-year-old kid. I was the one holding her at night while she cried. And to be fair, she was very traumatized and she was just so consumed with her own trauma that she couldn't hold space for us as kids. So I became the man of the house. And 
during that time, my mom went to go see a psychiatrist because of uh, her symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. And her symptoms were the result of the the chaos and the the abuse, the neglect, all of it that uh, existed in our family dynamic. And this psychiatrist, you know, this expert, so to speak, we thought knew best. Why wouldn't we? And this this psychiatrist didn't ask her about anything related to her trauma. It was only her symptoms. And it's like, okay, those are your symptoms after this 15-minute survey. Here's the benzodiazepines and SSRIs I recommend for you. And so my mom began um, taking multiple benzodiazepines and SSRIs over the course of the next 10 years. And her health got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was like a spiral, though, in that some days it would be like, oh, my God, we're seeing elements of her that we haven't seen in a while. And then other days um, and sometimes for weeks or months at a time, she would be hallucinating, not leaving her room at all, hardly eating, not sleeping, just sitting in her bathroom all day thinking uh, in the hallucinations got so bad that in some points she thought I was uh, her dad and she was her 13 year old self again. She would see people walking around the house that weren't actually there. It was, it was really dark and she was Mm -hmm. in and out of mental hospitals at this time, because again, we had no idea that it was the drugs. We thought it was just her. This is who she is. So we would, go back to a psychiatrist and they'd say, Oh, we, this is too much. We, you know, recommend that she goes to a mental hospital. So she'd go to mental hospitals and she had multiple suicide attempts in mental hospitals. And so I, let me, let me give some more context here. I never intended to join the army, but one element that I am, one of many elements that I am um, thankful for about my upbringing is that because my dad was so, so authoritarian, I was pretty brilliant academically, again, within like the matrix public school system, but pretty brilliant, brilliant academically. And the only school that recruited me for basketball and that was a D1, like a division one basketball program was West Point, the United States Military Academy. I had never thought about being in the army previously, but I had good enough grades to get in and I was being recruited by them. So that's where I chose to go. Hmm. And, um, by the time I was a senior at West Point, at West Point, we call that a firsty. We don't do the traditional freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. We do Ebe, <laughs> yearling, cow, firsty. I don't, I don't know why. I actually have, don't remember why at all. But anyway, my, my first year, my, my senior year, we were actually looking at putting my mom in a long-term facility because her health had gotten so bad over the 10 years that she had been on drugs and seen multiple psychiatrists. And by chance, Uh, a therapist that she was seeing was reading a book called a mind of your own by Dr. Kelly Brogan. Mm -hmm. And the therapist recommended that my mom make an appointment with Kelly and the stars sort of align there because West points in New York. And at the time Kelly had a practice in New York, she still had her license and was seeing patients. So my mom booked an appointment with her and went to go see Kelly uh, the same weekend as my West point graduation. And that, change the trajectory of my mom's life and then bled into the rest of our family because Kelly explained to my mom, Allie, you're not bipolar. You're not this. You're not that. You're not these labels. You have trauma that you need to heal. You need to get off these psychotropic medications. They're doing nothing for you. You need to treat food as a source of not only nutrition, but of medicine, of something that keeps you well and be very mindful about it and just be mindful in your life in general start doing coffee enemas, which was really weird to me back then, but it's like a norm now. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a matter of a few months, my mom began to heal. And I say began because there's, you know, healing's a journey, but my mom began to heal. And my wife that I just married at that time was diagnosed nine years prior with lupus, lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. So she had two autoimmune conditions, was chronically inflamed, was told that she'd have to be this way forever, that she would just have to try multiple immunosuppressive drugs to reduce the inflammation, but those would lead to side effects that led to more drugs. And we were even having talks on how we'd never probably, we'd probably never be able to have kids, that she'd uh, be in a wheelchair by age 40 or 50 because mm. her inflammation levels were just off the charts. And after we saw my mom begin to heal, we decided, let's try the same approach with you. Let's 
you know, become very strict in our diet. So for us, that looked like a whole 30 diet. Let's start tapering you off your medications. Let's become more mindful. Let's meditate, have a connection to our creator again. And the trauma healing didn't really come in until later on, but um, it was at least the physical and mental part that, that really um, changed the trajectory of our life because my wife began healing in a matter of four months and had tapered off all of her medications that she'd been on for nine to 10 years and was feeling better than she'd ever felt. So we decided to go back to her rheumatologist to get her blood, uh, her sed rates, which is the inflammation levels in her blood tested to see if they reflected how she was feeling. Sure enough, her inflammation levels were normal for the first time in nearly 10 years. And that sort of was the nail in the coffin on me ever believing anything that quote experts or doctors say ever again, because I had two people that I love my mom and my wife who are perpetually sick in the allopathic system. One almost dying with multiple suicide attempts. One we're about to put in a long-term care facility and then the other, um, someone who I love dearly that I wanted to start a family with who we were talking about, you know, she'd always be this way. She's just going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And now both of them are beginning to heal drastically. So that sent me down a path of questioning everything in the realm of health, which really bled into questioning everything, period. <laughs> bled into questioning 9-11, all of it. And I had just commissioned as an officer in the army and had to serve a minimum of five years. So yeah, it's a lot of cognitive dissonance for me to sort through. But once you start peeling um, the onion back, you can't look the other way. There's there, there's just no way, as you know. So I uh, that's what began that. And then in 2018, 2019, I uh, was in this special program in the army called the army world-class athlete program where I just trained as an athlete for two years okay. and I had a lot of free time. So I was sort of forced to go inward because I didn't have anything to outsource to and ex nothing to externalize my self-worth to. And the program that I was in actually presented another situation where I felt like shit about myself similarly to how I felt with basketball because I wasn't performing well and it was because I was so worried about messing up so it, it was just like a re-triggering of that which forced me to go back and heal a lot of the trauma that I experienced when I was younger and I got to a point where um <clears throat> that I didn't know who I was like I remember breaking down bawling crying I was working with two different coaches and therapists at the time. One is named Chris Page, who's phenomenal. Very, He's a trauma-informed therapist. And then another one, Tammy Joyce, who's familiar with uh, narcissistic personality disorder um, and people who've been had narciss narcissistic abuse infl inflicted upon them. Mm -hmm. And I was working with them and it broke me down in the best way. At the time, probably I would have said the worst way. I felt horrible. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my direction in life. I felt like I had no clue what I authentically liked, what I authentically thought. But in that breakdown, I had this thought pop into my head. I can now be authentically who I want to be. And I really honestly didn't know what that meant at that time. And this was in early 2019. But I know that I the army was no longer something that I could ever be in because I was considering staying in past five years. And I knew for sure at this point, okay, I cannot be in the army anymore. I need to get out after my minimum of five years. And I am going to not do things that I don't agree with. I'm not going to outsource my self-worth anymore. I'm worthy just by existing. Mm -hmm. So 2019, like midway through, um, my mom actually said something really interesting to my wife and I have, I've shared this before on other podcasts. She said, guys, I feel like something big is coming in 2020. I don't know what it is. And we were all just like, shut up, mom. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. sure enough, COVID happened. Right. And right. again, I was still in the army at the time, but I saw through it so clearly as did many other people. And I think what made me unique in seeing it so early. And when I say early, February 29th, 2020, I made a video. I didn't share it anywhere, but I made it and I still have access to it um, where I described how this will no doubt be used for mandatory vaccine for all people. I'm sure people like you saw it coming from a mile away as well, especially with what was happening in California. But I, I saw through it so clearly because I had 
dealt with narcissistic abuse, manipulation, gaslighting, scapegoating um, with my family dynamic growing up. Mm-hmm. I had healed it. I had already seen two people harmed tremendously by the allopathic medical system, step away from that system and begin healing via natural means. I had already seen how people who were vaccine hesitant were scapegoated as crazy conspiracy theorists and blamed for disease outbreaks. Um, but my son, who in 2020 was two and a half, he's four and a half now. So yeah, two and a half, he was completely unvaccinated. So I had already known the whole deal. I, I just saw it so clearly and was in this weird position though, where I was still in the army, right? Yeah. But I felt so convicted to speak. And I think it's also because I had denied so much of my authenticity um, between healing and this point because I was still in the army and I couldn't do some of the things that I authentically wanted to do. But I began speaking about what was going on with COVID. I, around May of 2020, I finally got to a point where I can't, um, you know, silence myself anymore. I have to be authentic. I have to share. So I started speaking out. People started resonating with it. And that's, that's the story of how I stepped onto the scene, so to speak. Did you feel that being in the military that you would get direct repercussion from your superiors? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I can only imagine, I mean, I know I feel that way all the time, just in different situations where you want to speak your, speak your mind, but yet there's people around you who you don't want to offend or you don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. So it was an interesting situation because again, having researched so much of government corruption, knowing I no longer want to be in the military, not agreeing with any of the wars that we're fighting, knowing that 9-11 was a complete fraud. Um, all of those things, even aside from the health piece, I was no longer wanted to be in the military and was in, in disagreement with the military altogether. Right. Right. What I did when I started speaking out was I spoke very cleverly. I never spoke about the government. Like I never mentioned the word, the government, Uh but I would, you know, sort of allude to it by saying the experts or the officials. And I towed the line because there is this thing in the military called the hatch act where you can't speak in a political nature while, uh, being, uh, a soldier in the army. Okay. And there's, there's ways that you can speak authentically on your perceptions, but you need to clearly express that my opinions do not reflect that of the United States army. There's this whole thing that you have to essentially say. And, um, I was at this weird position though, where I knew that what I was speaking on was, going to be so because at the time it wasn't super controversial because people were still trying to figure out what the hell was going on and a lot of people were sharing their opinions but i knew where it was leading and i knew how nefarious it was and i knew how corrupt the government was so i just towed the line very carefully on what i could say and I still, even within that, was very wary because it was such a controversial topic, especially as time went on and the vaccines rolled out and I was speaking out very boldly (laughs) against vaccines and I had my own religious accommodation that I had applied for in the military. I just, I knew that regardless of if I was abiding by the rules technically, and I was, that they would come after me in some way. And this is kind of how that happened. After we created Health Freedom for Humanity, we launched it. January of 2021. And how that started was several of us who were speaking on social media, some doctors, some not, but all had a similar mindset on what was going on coming from different walks of life. Some were left-leaning, some were right-leaning, some were, you know, Mm -hmm. Christian, some were non-denominational or just non-religious altogether. Some were Buddhist, like all of us coming from different walks of life, some black, some white, some Indian, some Asian, just decided that, hey, we need to form an organization showing that we are all aligned with this that we all regardless of which walk of life we come from believe that no one should be forced into any medical decision and everyone has a right to choose what is best for their own health so we launched and when we launched in january we we sort of exploded um faster than i thought we would honestly and and it, that's a uh, sorry for our audience is that a nonprofit? yeah so we're a 501c3 and we're eventually going to 
move away from that for various reasons and, and become more of a private organization, if you will. Um, but yes, it's a, it's a 501 C three. And when we launched, um, we, you know, exploded pretty fast in terms of our, our reach and popularity. And I think it's because we did it so differently than other health freedom organizations that exist. And I get contacted by a reporter after we had existed for a mere two months and had already been like climbed our following up to, you know, a ridiculous amount on Instagram and our podcast had, you know, I think at this point only 60 to 80,000 listens per month, but it was still a significant amount, right? Especially for a brand new organization. And I get contacted by a reporter from the guardian out of the UK. And he said, this is your right to reply to the following information. He essentially said, you are an anti-vaccine conspiracy organization. You are profiting off of people for the pandemic, blah, 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 blah. You are a former army captain. And then he said former. And I was like, okay, he thinks I'm a former <laughs> army captain. I'm good to go. Uh-huh. And then, cause I, cause I knew that like he was going to just publish that and go with it. And I was like, I don't want to correct him and tell him that I am in the army right now. Cause that could be horrible for me. Even if I am abiding by the rules, it could just, it'd be a, a, a nightmare. Oh man. And a week later I hadn't replied to him and he was about to publish a story. He messaged me again. He says, we have confirmed with the army public affairs office that you are currently serving as a, at the rank of captain. And my heart sunk because I thought that this would be the thing that, that gets me labeled as like an insider threat within the army, a domestic terrorist or something like that. Yeah. And all the things. So, Luckily, I did reply to him at this point. And I was very kind in my reply. And I said, essentially something along the lines of, we are comprised of people from all walks of life. And we, you know, are simply just asking that we have the right to choose what is best for our own health. And the article that did come out, um, my chain of command. So my boss's boss's boss, my brigade commander did contact me. He did rip me a new one. Hmm. But luckily, I was four weeks from getting out of the army anyway. Yeah. So it was just like, keep your head low. Don't do any more shit to get my name thrown into <laughs> it and just stay out of trouble and get out clean. And so there were, I, I had a lot of fear in speaking, but again, my, my convictions, my, my friend Ben Tapper says this all the time. My convictions are greater than my complacency. And that's how I felt. I had to speak and mm. in speaking the truth from my perspective, you don't have to be like belligerent or hostile or attack people or shame people who think differently than you. And I made sure in the way that I approach things, cause I don't think it's helpful to do any of those things anyway, that I was being compassionate, being loving, sometimes being direct, maybe sometimes being a little harsh and breaking down people's thought patterns and their deeply held beliefs, but never shaming them for having those beliefs, just sharing from my perspective, what I, how I honestly see it. And I think it's been really effective. Hmm. Well, I just wanted to go back real quick and, and if you wouldn't mind, I'd just comment on your, your history and your story. Um, because I really feel that, you know, they're very intense experiences that you went through, but those are things that, um, and this might sound strange. I wished for, I wish I would have had the kind of intensity, um, that you went through these large things that we can overcome that we can have these great awakenings because personally I feel that my life was kind of mm, I'll call it average you know Mm. to where it's like I would read all these amazing near-death experiences or these people who had cancer and I go wow I I want like a near-death experience so I could come back fully awakened and alive and I kind of feel that you and amazingly your family kind of came through kind of had this you know when you're in these deep experiences and you're doing work subconsciously that you don't realize you're doing Mm -hmm. and you have all these blessings that you're being you know all these gifts that you're being given through this experience like your ability to speak and your ability to have an opinion they're all forming in in this enigmatic enigmatic state And that when you finally get these realizations, you're like, wow, I can use this. I can use this. I can use that. 
And so, yeah, it was really great to, to understand. I saw your, you know, your sister speak and I saw your mom speak at, um, at through the event. Um, that was an amazing, um, online information and community building. Um, uh, how, how do you describe that? The event. It, so that was pretty cool. So how that came about was we had our inaugural in-person event for health freedom for humanity in October of 2021 in Kansas city mm -hmm. and very similar vibe to what you experienced at sowing sovereignty, you know, like, yeah, when we say we're uniting people from all walks of life. We mean it. We literally have people from all walks of life. They're all backgrounds just united under the shared belief that everyone has the right to choose what is best for their own health. And mm. The event was so incredible. Obviously, I'm going to be biased in that and saying that it, it was. It was. So it was amazing. It absolutely was. There's was nothing yeah. like it before then. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of how I felt about our event in Kansas City. Is that there's there's nothing that I'd been to. I'd been to a lot of events. I'd spoken to a lot of places, but nothing like the the vibe of that one. The heartfelt experience. The you feel just like you said. You feel like you're coming home. Like this is the community that you've been looking for. Um, and after that uh, in-person event, I was approached by Josh Del Sol, who's a mm -hmm. good friend of mine, and then Devin Vrana, who was our MC for the, our, our event in Kansas City. And she lives in Wichita, Kansas, and I had spoken at one of her events, and we had connected before. And they said, hey, we want to carry on the energy from your symposium because it was just so incredible. There were so many solutions offered. It was so validating for people. It united people. It showed people they weren't alone. We want to do the same thing, but virtually. And I kind of said, this sounds great, but as you both know, coming off of an in-person event that you just spent four months planning and executing, and we got kicked out of the convention center that we were in during the event because we didn't <laughs> abide by the mask mandate, but then we approached them through common law means and got all of our money back. So they're forced to pay us back. Um, just a, just a, a lot of really cool things, but a, just a lot of energy. So I yeah. said, health freedom for humanity cannot support this right now, at least not fully. So if we want to do it, I'm in, but it's got to be like an entire new thing. So that's yeah. what we did. We created an entire new thing literally in six weeks from the idea to the launch was four weeks. And then launch to start was two weeks. We had 120,000 people sign up. Um, and I think it's because the intention behind it was right. It was that we just want to carry on this energy of unity, of solutions, of empowerment, and give it to the world digitally for those who couldn't make it in person in Kansas city. And it was exactly like replicating the energy of what happened in Kansas city or what you experienced in California as best as you can digitally. And we did it so well. It was, it was just incredible. And was that the first time that you connected with Mike winner? I know he was instrumental in putting that on as well. Yeah. So then our other two hosts that were, were a part of us were, Mike Winter and Tara Pilling. And mm. Mike, I had talked to quite a bit before and we had wanted to collab on a few things, but had never really had an opportunity to. So when Devin and Josh initially approached me, the first person we asked was Mike aside um, from us three. And then after that, Josh brought in Tara Pilling and it was us five. And then we brought in Katie, who's my deputy executive director from Health Freedom for Humanity, and she helped behind the scenes with everything. And then two people that were uh, at our symposium in Kansas City who approached me at the symposium and said, hey, man, we really, really want to work with you. We don't know what that means, but we want to work with you. They're named Mike and Lindsay Holshue. They've been event planners for a long time. Once we launched this virtual event, we we're like, let's see if they want to join and help build this with us. So then they joined our team and then we brought on this guy named Mike Cardamone who helped with like branding and graphic design. It was just an incredible team that sort of just came together and we, we launched it. And like I said, it was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So beautiful about it was that it captured all the, the intensity that we all felt about the truth and it connected we were able to connect in that way of like seeing the world through this lens but mm -hmm. then also just bringing in solutions 
just nonstop, like here, here for uh, homeschooling and, and here for uh, your homestead and growing vegetables and then here for personal development. And that was a huge inspiration for me, you know, for this show, because I was always connected to all these different areas. I mean, for, I was reading books on homesteading at, you know, the Bodhi tree in West Hollywood in 2000, you know what I mean? But they mm -hmm. never really, like they were in the same bookstore but they never really connected the way that they are now. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. And it's, it's cool. Cause like for the event, we, we defined six different categories um, for things that we wanted to focus on in terms of the solutions that we offered people. And it was because we kind of realized the same thing as you, that all of these things may seem like that, that they're in their own silo, but they're inextricably linked to the other areas. And so the six things that we came up with was category one was wealth and prosperity. Category two, consciousness and soul purpose. Three, land and food. Four, community and unschooling. Five, lawful solutions. And then six, health, freedom and vitality. So those things are all inextricably linked together. And mm -hmm. you can't have one without the other. And it's interesting because like, that understanding kind of informed the process for us adopting this second definition of health freedom that I mentioned. Obviously, like I said, the first definition that we'd had since the conception of the organization was the right to choose what is best for your own health without coercion or force, which is important, but it's so much more than that. Like what health freedom actually means is so much more than that. And all of us who are aware of the first definition also typically bring about the second one health freedom is the right to know and access what produces and maintains mind, body, spirit, wellness. So what are the things that actually make you feel free with regards to your health? How do we do that? How do we implement them? What are things that we can do? And that allows us to branch off into uh, discussing things like common law and into discussing decentralized systems, into discussing um, regenerative farming, into discussing all of these things that yes, are related to, uh, you know, the right to choose what is best for your own health without coercion or force, but not specifically defined in that way, but have to be there because you can't have one without the other. Yeah, you can fight or, you know, fight with, I'm putting up quotation marks, fight for your health freedom, fight for your right to choose. But man, you need to do much, much more than that. It needs to be that you need to implement things that actually keep you well outside the system. Mm. Um, I like the statement, keep you well. Um, talk to me about virus, you know, talk to <laughs> me, <laughs> you know, cause I'll just tell you what I've been going through. Cause I've, I've been on a spiritual path a long time. And, and a lot of that is taking personal responsibility for every aspect of my life. And so when the hoax was exposed and especially Dr. Cowan's work and Stefan Lanka talking about how viruses aren't real and there's things called mirror neurons. I'm like, it lit me up, you know, because mm -hmm. I believe that. But then there's also the experience of like your body gets sick and yeah. then you start to question what you really believe. And you might like default back to this paradigm. Oh, I must have gotten. I do too, man. <laughs> I do too. It's it's so hard to shake that conditioning. And like, let's be clear on this. Could it be that we're literally getting sick from other people? Yeah, it could be. But falsification does not require replacement. And what I mean by that is because we are simply asking for actual scientific evidence that strictly adheres to the scientific method that validates the claim of a pathogenic particle that is passed via, uh, you know, the fluids or via air in some cases to sick people or to healthy people. And it causes them to be sick. We're asking for proof of that. And they cannot <laughs> literally yeah. cannot provide that proof. Right. And so, okay, then it's, we need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what is causing this phenomenon where two or more people get sick in the same space. And there's a lot of things that could be causing people to get sick. One of mirror neurons is one of the things that you brought up. Another one is pheromones. Another one just could be the web of energy that is connected between each of us. And especially, you know, thinking of Veda Austin's work where 
she shows that water not only um, holds memory, it fundamentally communicates with us mm, and reflects yeah. back to us. And knowing that we are made up of nine out of 10 molecules in our body are water and two thirds of our weight are water. We have structured water in our cells. Knowing that, is it so far fetched to say that when I'm exposed to a toxin, I'm going to communicate via some form of bioresonance to those around me who have a certain toxic load already. And my body is signaling to them. My water is signaling to them. Hey, I've come into contact with this toxin. Maybe you should detoxify right now so that you are more equipped when you come into contact with this toxin. And maybe that's what's happening or what's more than likely happening. And, and, and possibly in addition to these things that I've already mentioned is that um, people in the same space typically are exposed to the same environment and the same toxins in that environment, the same lack of nutrition in some areas, you're typically eating the same food, and then also the same emotional trauma and suppressed emotions. So if I'm you know, around you for a while and I'm super, super, super stressed out and pissed off all the time, eventually you're probably going to become super stressed out and pissed off or vice versa. Maybe because you're such an energetic dude with a good outlook on life, you'll rub off onto me and I will take on that energy as well. And then the other things to bring into the picture here, the possibility of, you know, or what the mechanisms that happen when a woman is, has a certain menstrual cycle and she is around other women and then they all sync up on their menstrual cycle. I would argue that that's not caused by a pathogenic virus. And that may be, you know, mirror neurons, or that may be the energy that I was talking about earlier. And I think of a phenomenon like yawning. If I yawn and you're around me, you're going to yawn too. I, again, I don't think that's caused by a pathogenic virus. So the point is, there's a lot of other possibilities, a lot of funding and research, or basically no, no funding and research has been done on those things because 99.999% of energy, time, focus, awareness, resources, money has been invested in this unproven and baseless assumption of a pathogenic particle that is being passed from person to person. We're so focused on that that we don't even look at the possibility of the other things that could be occurring. Yeah, I love that because it speaks to having creativity because we're so habitual that we just fall into the same pattern continually like, oh, well, I guess I should just, you know, because if I look back, you know, before or as I was getting sick, like this last week, it's like, I visualized that through all the way through, you know, like, how can I take responsibility in my own creative process, in my own originality to create something new, create something different outside of what my patterns are? Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's so tough, man, because we've been conditioned to focus on this, again, baseless and unproven um, theory. And I don't want to extend it into germ theory at large, although I do think there is no merit to germ theory in the traditional sense. But right. speaking specifically here of, let's say, viral theory, like the, the viral particles, um, that conditioning is so hard to break. And the same thing happens to me when my family gets sick. I'm like, oh, my God am I wrong? Mm -hmm. But then I have to go back to, yes, first off, I could absolutely be wrong and there could absolutely be these particles. But the reality is up to this point, they are completely unproven. And then I go back to the multiple examples of us trying to prove that there is contagion via fluids from a sick person, like the Rosenau experiments and during the Spanish flu, and they're unable to prove contagion. They're unable to prove that these uh, fluids from a sick person can cause a healthy person to become sick. It's, it's completely unproven. So we have to look to something in our environment or something emotionally or something happening energetically between two or more people or, you know, there, there's so many other possibilities. And that's the other thing too, that myself and I'm sure you and many others who listen to this experience as well is the reductionist mindset that has permeated our psyche that is ultimately um, the result of the viral theory as well, because we assume that, oh, this one single thing must be what caused me to experience these symptoms. When yeah. in reality, we're 
complex physical, emotional, spiritual, chemical, energetic, biological entities that have multiple inputs in our life that are unique to us in some cases. So it's going to be many, many things that cause us to experience symptoms of disease. And then lastly, symptoms of disease are not bad. They're a good thing. When they're perpetual, that can mean something is wrong that you need to look at more closely. But when they're acute symptoms of disease, you know, sniffling, coughing, even for your case, losing your voice, throwing up, having diarrhea or all of the above, fever, all of it. Those are good things. Your body is doing the job that it is intended to do. It is detoxifying the way that it's supposed to be. And you're on track. So I don't like we need to reframe what we think about symptoms. And it's crazy because even within the health freedom space, a lot of people, you know, even thinking to chiropractors who previous to these two and a half years were like, oh, I don't care. I see sick patients all the time and I have no issues. And then you see like, hey, if you uh, are experiencing any symptoms, please stay home. And I'm like, wait, now you're holding symptoms to be bad things. And now you're worried about becoming sick from another person. (laughs) It's uh, it's 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 a strange phenomenon to witness. So, yeah, yeah, it's so true that that there are. It's it's the the reductionism, the simplicity, trying to always find like what was that one thing that triggered it? Um, because I think in when you look at just the model of the universe or existence, it's like it's all true, because it, it's if it's if it's all based on what you believe if it's all based on how you're you've been programmed or how you program yourself, then it's all true. It's just a matter of digesting it and reflecting it into the world. So I I was, I really um, liked your conversation you, you were having with on alpha Vedic uh, with Dr. Bear Paul Lando. And it just, I freaking love bear and Mike so much. Yeah, they're great. They're a couple of hours south of me and just a huge inspiration. And and you guys touched on, you know, exposing the truth, but yet, like, why? Like, what is our why? Like, what are we doing it for? And I think, you know, Bear really nailed it when he said, you know, it's about, it's about finding these solutions and living the life that you are meant to, to live. Amen. Amen, and, man. Yeah, and and I just and it just you know I think we all kind of got. Um, I had Saul Luckman on the show last week, and that's so weird. He's interviewing me in two hours. Oh, he's awesome. I just love him. <laughs> what are the odds of that, man? Yeah, it's so he's... funny because coming into this interview, I was like, oh, that's funny. I have two interviews today where I won't be able to actually see the person that I'm talking to. <laughs> the elusive uh, Saul Saul Luckman. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. But no, it's just this, you know, we we kind of came to this place where we're like, it's amazing that we're able to expose all this, you know, the hoax that is being the pulled over our eyes. But at the same time, why are we doing it? And we had an, a, a really cool interaction. I think we have about 10 minutes left where I would love to go through it with you in that we used the model of Neville Goddard in a guided imagery or kind of a feeling into our own truth. And so we started this dialogue of kind of as if we were in the future. So imagine that you and I are in the future, looking back at our former selves and we're talking, we're having an interview We're we're, and I'll just start, you know, Alec, I remember a time before we knew the truth about reality and I was searching for answers in this world about how to provide for my family. And I tuned into your information and you were able to offer so much value and give me such inspiration. And I really appreciate uh, that I was able to find you in that way. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just kind of like this, uh, you can con- feel free to continue or just express in, in any way that you want to. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so I, so what I'm doing here is then I'm, I'm thinking back to a point. Um, that I'll, give, I would... I'll give you an example of how Neville Goddard uh, explained it. He was, 
he would stand in an empty lot and he would look at the potential of what's there. And he would say, oh, I remember this empty lot before it was this, this, and this. And then it turned out to be this amazing uh, development that was oh, able to I, give yeah, people I jobs. Know. I got to know. <sighs> okay. I remember when we were all, all of us that are part of this community, the, the freedom slash sovereign community, we're all coming to understand and wake up to what was going on in the world and getting to a point that, okay, now what? Now, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we come together? And look at us now. We've created these systems that thrive outside the system. We've created these little communities locally that are thriving together, that are operating on a gift economy, that are, you know, sharing resources amongst each other. And the system keeps trying to pull us back in and try to fear monger us. And it doesn't even phase us anymore because we are fully self-sufficient and there's nothing that can shake us at this point. And it's unbelievably beautiful. And this is as it should be. And this is exactly what we were moving towards, but didn't realize it at the time. That's so cool because I remember a time just a while ago where we thought we didn't have the the psychic abilities that we currently have that we're able to see and manifest these things the fact that you just said what i was going to say was was this validation that we're now living in a world where we can be free to live in nature's cycle instead of the imposed authoritarianism that we were so used to living in that we can now let go of all the stress and pain that we just felt was normal and we were numbed out to live in a way that that now we can just shake it off and move forward it's it's so beautiful that we've shaken that mentality of being a cog in the wheel of of working and working and working and forgetting why we were even working in the first place because now our local communities are so abundant they're thriving we're all you know uplifting each other and we all have each other's backs and we all hold space for each other to have that time to be who we authentically want to be and do the things that we authentically want to do and there is very minimal trouble anymore and we don't even think back to those you know exploited exploitative capitalistic uh competitive systems anymore because we're all collaborating all together now and those systems are all completely irrelevant it's just so weird looking at a distance and, and the people that are living in those smart cities and don't even realize that they're trapped because we're here thriving and it's it's so cool that we've created uh onboarding systems for for the people who have woken up to how that system is is fraudulent and harmful and we welcome them into our community with loving and open arms yeah i totally agree with you i'm just so blown away with what is possible when we step out of the the past you know paradigms of time that we can just be free to just uh well man i'm just super grateful for you alec i really appreciate this because this to me this is what the this is what tapping into our our consciousness to our our higher selves to this free flow of energy is and i'm just you know grateful that there's people like you who are not um settling with the way things are that that we can um that we can creatively create, just create what it is we want, the type of businesses and not be hindered to uh, to live in the way that we feel is humane, that where people feel supported and loved and that we can not feel weird about wanting to have people we can talk to and create community. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. it's uh, Exercises like this are really beautiful because it has put me into like, 
a creative heart space mm. that man, if all of us were operating in that at all times, I just, the potential there is, is incredible. And I say this so often because sort of going back to what we're talking about, like exposing all the things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should be naive to, to what is still going on. Right. 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 But there's a balance there. There's those who are continually looking almost like literally searching for like, what else are they hiding? Like what else is going on? What else can I be upset about today? Yeah. And they're using all of their energy in a destructive way, almost like dismantling the system. And, and to be clear, there's, it's important to be aware of those things. It's important to acknowledge them, but don't perpetuate them. Don't become them. Don't give all of your creative capacity and energy over to them. And there's such a fine line between that. And I think if we just all collectively moved into a space of, okay, I acknowledge that, yep, that system is doing that. They're doing those crazy things. Whew. Thank God we're not though, because we're using all of our energy to build things that make that one obsolete. And the more that we continue to build over here, man, the more and more people that are trapped in that system that we previously we're trying to, you know, peel their eyes back. Like, look at this. Can you not see this? Fraud? Can you not see <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Us just living in a thriving community outside this system is showing them a way like, oh my God, I feel empty inside. I feel unfulfilled. I feel like I'm living a mundane life where I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again. as a cog in the wheel in this corporate job, working a nine to five, working my life away. And I just see them over there and they're all experiencing joy. I mean, they're experiencing sadness too, but they're working through it. There's not this heaviness that they carry. They are dancing and singing and loving and collaborating and all of them look freaking healthy. Like that lady over there just told me she's 60 years old and she looks like she's 40. That's a common thing that I see in the health freedom sphere. Like, damn, totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so young. Changes or, well, you look young, but you're 60 years old. What? But but that's the point is that the more that we can invest our time, energy, resources, all those things, especially our energy, into building something new rather than tearing something down, man, that's truly – what's that? Is like Who said that? Is like Buckminster, Buckminster Fuller is like um, – Rather than fighting the old system, go build new ones to make the old one obsolete. And that could not be more true, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. It definitely, I mean, I've been doing a lot of work to be prepared for, for that, for that new kind of that paradigm. And mm. I think that um, there is quite a, it, it is really challenging to be able to get through a lot of the things because it's a different way of doing the work. Amen. It's a different way of, of examining yourself. And it's so, I think it's going to be so worth it. Um, because like I was, you know, mentioning before, it's just, it's a re it's a process of redefining who we are. So taking all the tools that we've had previously of journaling and understanding who we are and meditating, but it's, it's very simple but it's, it brings up a lot and it, it really challenges everything that you currently believe in. But once you get through it, it's, um, it's extremely rewarding and really it is unlimited in what we can create. So it's great to connect with you. Is there any other thing you want to say about the way forward or any upcoming events you want to tell people about? Um, no, I'd like to share this though. So we're about to launch our health freedom for humanity membership platform. And mm. what that looks like is you donate however much you feel we're worth. And then you are a member of health freedom for humanity, just on a recurring monthly or annual basis. And on the back end of that, I can't share it yet, but there's a lot of, um, really cool things. And some of the things that we're offering, I don't think any other organization has, has done before. Um, and it, it involves collaborating with a lot of other brands, products, courses, organizations, and it's just going to create this tight knit community that is all thriving and supporting each other. And it's really cool. So I'm looking forward to that. So stay in touch with us. 
at healthfreedomforhumanity.org. Sign up for our newsletter so you can um, ensure that you're uh, receiving all of the information on that as it comes out. Awesome, Alec. Thank you so much for coming on Dojo Radio. Thank you for having me.